Previously on Just Cow in the City. Are you not appreciating this beautiful weather? I felt comfortable in snow boots. Can you just concentrate on the road? This is really bad acting. I put a lipstick in a magazine. My life resembles the Christina Applegate character of the movie Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter. She was the one who made them put it on there. Nobody knew what to do about AIDS back then. Are you kidding me? Hotcha, just got in the city. Everybody's here looking good and pretty. Been down, isn't it a pity? Trying to make things looking bright and chippy. All around, people seem crazy. Walking around trying not to be lazy. But at night, it's a different place. Making it work in your own space. Come on, come on and dance all night. I'm here each week, it'll be alright. Cause it's just out in the city. Cause it's just out in the city. Cause it's just out in the city. Everybody and welcome to another brand new podcast of Just Gow in the City. My name is Dave Just Gow. This is the May 17, 2022 edition. Nice to hear from everybody today. And how are you out there in audio listening land? <laughs> how you be? <laughs> Dave Just Gow. Ooh, taping on a Saturday night, 5 o'clock. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Sometimes I never tape or something like that. And let me just tell you something again. It's raining. It's raining. No, yes, I'm going a little crazy. It's fucking raining. I am not going to complain about the weather twice. Because then it'd be like, what's the Just Count the City podcast like? Is that fun? Should I start listening to it? Uh, I don't, what is he talking about? He talks about the weather. Talks about the weather. Um, no, I'm not going to talk about the weather. I'm not going to talk about the weather. All right, I'm going to talk a little bit about the weather because weather, I'm getting real sick and tired of it. But. I'll just tell you this, I just came back from, it's Saturday, I was going to tape this at 8 in the morning, I'm like, hey, you got to be kidding me, and I'll tell you all why in a second, I just came back from Sarah's play, seeing it the third time this week, Sarah Silverman's play, Broadway play, The Bedwetter, and I just came back, and I'm like, you know, fuck it, it's 5 o'clock on a Saturday, it's 5 o'clock on a Saturday, I just came from Sarah's play, and it was me and my mom and my sister and son. I don't have a son. And we all had a good thing to say. Oh, la da 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 la da 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 Now Sarah is a real estate novelist who bedwets and put up a play and she sticks with a joke or puts pee in your coke and says have a nice fucking day oh that computer's got sounds gotta ruin my my singing voice Oh my god obviously I'm in a pretty festive mood I came that's why I came back I'm like you know what let's just do the podcast but let me tell you why I couldn't do it. I tried to wake up early this morning. Well, you know what? I'm just going to start with Friday. We got a lot to do today, folks. We got a lot to do. And every time I say I have a lot to do, I'm finished at the 45-minute mark. And every time I say I have nothing to say, we go an hour and 20 minutes. I can't figure out my own shit. All I know is that on Friday, are you ready for this? Have you had enough to eat? Are you sitting down? Uh, let me. What day... All right, I'm going to say, you know what? I don't know what day it was where I ran into this woman in my building whose name is Bonnie. 
not the crazy ones who's always coming to my door with an empty glass of wine, a different Bonnie. They're all crazy. I got a lot of Bonnies. I got a lot of problems with you people. And I'm going to tell you each one of them. It's Festivus. So I saw Bonnie in my building, and she goes, and I'm sitting talking to the doorman. It's in the middle of the afternoon. I think I have a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. You know, that's the only time I go out, which is good. You got to go out. You got to get out of the house. You must interact with people. Otherwise, nothing happens. My entire week has to do with actually going out and interacting with people, and then everything comes together. Anyway. She goes, I don't know what your dating situation is or what your relationship status is, but, um, you know, I have somebody uh, I was telling I was telling the person about you and, you know, I think you should meet them. And I'm like, it's a it's a girl. Right. And I'm I'm just she's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, I just wasn't sure what people think of me in the building. So I wasn't positive because I could see that going in a very bad direction. I'm like, really? And she goes, yeah, I told her about you. She's cool. She's got a kid. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, no, I didn't care. She's like, yeah, hit her up on Instagram. I look her up on Instagram. She's very pretty. Turns out she's the, uh, what is it? The sa- the sax. Shit. I kept looking it up so I had the name. It's like the chief merchandising officer for Saks Fifth Avenue. That's right. Because then you get intimidated with what you're going to wear. Anyway, th- so I will tell you. Firstly, and this story is the best, I will tell you firstly that, and of course, I was I was actually up. I'm like, you know what? Yes, I will go on this date because normally I haven't been going on dates because uh, yeah, that's music we haven't played in a long time because we haven't had any reason to. So uh, you got to go on a date and you got to. Play that uh, sexy spy who loves me music. So, so I say, yeah, all right, I'll hit her up. And uh, I'm bad. I people say, how come you don't go online and date? And I don't even think I've talked about in the past couple two well since COVID, I guess, about dating. I've never even mentioned a, a girl recently because um, you know it's difficult and it's hard to find people out of COVID. And I don't like to online date. Why don't I like to online date? People ask me that all the time. Well, I'll tell you exactly why. I am a strange man. And if you don't know me, my texts can come off or whatever the platform is that I'm sending something like, what's happening, baby, as, uh, you know, just stupid and dumb and not funny. And you're not going to get the joke if you don't know me because everything is lost in text, which is why I like to talk to people on the goddamn phone usually. But anybody that is under 30 doesn't like to talk on the phone. Of course, if they know me, they get my texts. But if you don't, everything can get convoluted. So I send this girl a text, and I say, how you doing? You all right? What? What's happening with you, right? You okay? Hey, listen, I want to make it with you. What do you feel about that? No, I didn't say that. I don't remember what I sent, but it was something stupid. And I think I said, Jesus Christ, hey, it's too bad I didn't know you two days ago. I really would have bought you this unbelievable. And I said this thing, and it was a stupid thing to say uh, that I was like, hey, it's too bad I didn't meet you two days ago. I had something I could do. And I guess, I don't know, maybe I was trying to tell her that I was doing this thing, but I didn't tell her what it was or who it was and all this kind of stuff. And I'm talking about Tuesday's uh, the talkback thing. I'm like, you know, because I was looking for a date to bring. And I don't know whether I told you. Yes, I think I did take because I was going to take Vincent, right? And I'll tell you about that later. We're going backwards. 
This is all last night this happened to me. I told you I'm taping this at 5 o'clock Saturday, so don't expect it to come out on Sunday, Saturday at 7 o'clock because I won't be ready. Anywho. So I text her, and she doesn't text back, and I'm like, God, I am a douchebag. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't know how to do this in text. And quite frankly, I'm not even sure if I know how to do it in person anymore. Man, I used to be the dating king. I was pretty good at uh, working it out, you know, after stumbling very early on and then kind of having this period from the 90s and the 2000s where I was good at it. And then, you know, you get bad at it again later when you're too old and you've done it too long and you're still not married. And you're still I'm like, wait, we're still doing this. I have to find a way to be charming. I mean, please listen, ladies, what you see is what you get. And if you don't like it, deal with it. You know, that's what I told people. I just pushed a chair over and I said, you know what? Deal with it. I am not going to listen to any more of this. I mean, I've had just about enough. So the next morning I wrote it. She didn't write me back. And I'm like, well, I blew it already, which is hilarious. Of course, that's hilarious. And then I wrote it back. Do you want to go out Friday? And she immediately writes back, sure. So that's all I needed to say, which I probably should have started with. But I just did. I don't know what I was thinking. And like I said, I'm out of, very out of practice. So. Uh, we decided we're going to meet at this place. I can meet where you live. She lives in Tribeca, which is this uh, really out-of-the-way place if you live where I live. It's really fucking annoying. It could be nice, but it's also annoying. It's like kind of above where the World Trade Center used to be, so I don't hang out there very often. And she picked this place called The Palm. And I'm like, oh, here we go, right? It's a really fancy steak place. We were just having drinks. They have a nice bar there. And I'm like, all right, whatever. But yeah, seriously, whatever because then i'm saying to myself oh right this is the reason i haven't got i haven't had any money but i'm like well whatever it is it is i take the city bike then not the city bike the motor scooter down to tribeca it's really difficult to get to and i have to park a little bit away they don't have really good parking where the thing is the restaurant opens at four we're meeting at 4 30 she goes do you mind meeting early and i'm like are you kidding i'm in love i'm like already i'm like yeah baby <laughs> yeah what's happening baby um, anyway, she, right. Oh, and then I saw a picture of her kid on the line. And I'm like, oh, this kid looks like an idiot. He's wearing a bow tie. And I'm like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. What the fuck is this? Seriously, right? He just doesn't look like a normal kid. So I figure, all right, don't bring that up. Anyway, I meet her yesterday. This all happened yesterday. This is hilarious. Are you ready for this? Seriously, this is really fucked up. I get to the bar at 4.15 because I'm just early and I want to wash my hands and get myself set because, you know, I have the helmet on, so I want to make sure my hair is combed, wash my hands from the disgustingness of the motor scooter and, you know, go to the bathroom, pee. Uh, Because even though I did it before I left my house, I still get nervous and then that's when the pee, because I can really hold it in for a long time and then many other times I'll make a preemptive strike like I did before I left my house, but then I'm like, you know what, let me just pee now so I won't have to pee later. Anyway. I sit down, no one's at the bar. I'm the only one there. The only one there. It's a nice big bar. And I talk to the bartender, and he's really nice. And we're talking about theater. He's an actor. He was he's a very handsome fella. And we're just talking. I'm saying, I'm meeting a kind of a blind date here, you know? Like, uh, he's like, oh, you're going to need something heavy, my man, you know? <laughs> so I got a Johnny Walker Black. I drank half of it before she came, and she was right on time. And I was already drunk. I don't know what the fuck happened. I do not know what the fuck happened. You guys know I can usually handle it, but I haven't been drinking that much, and maybe I didn't eat anything. I think I just, what did I have? I had a chocolate croissant and a coffee, and I I don't know. I was just feeling buzzed already, like where I was having trouble talking and thinking with this drink and wondering if she could tell. 
That's how bad it was. Half a fucking drink. So she comes in. And, oh, I told her, which I thought was funny. I said, listen, uh, I don't have anything in my closet that's going to be suitable for somebody in your profession. Works at Saks Fifth Avenue. You know, it's a you know, fashion person. And she's like, oh, I won't judge. I'm like, yeah, no, I, I, you will. Uh, nice try. And I'm just going to wear gym clothes. And then she goes, uh, that's fine. And I go, ha, 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 I'm just kidding. I don't have gym clothes. Anywho. Uh, I just wore, like, I was thinking about wearing, like, a suit jacket, but I've been wearing that all week, and I'm like, I don't even want to wear a suit jacket. I'm just going to wear a black shirt and jeans because, I don't know, it's too it's too much at first, I think. I don't know. And then she shows up. She's not even wearing anything decent. You know, like, I don't know what she's wearing. She's wearing, like, a, I'm like, this is it? This this is what you wear? Your Instagram, you're, like, dressed up in, like, everything. I'm like, what the hell is this? I'm a guy in this outfit. Stupid. She looks stupid. <laughs> Look, I'm so angry about this. I mean, she looked okay. You know, she's pretty. So we sit down. We move to a table, and we sit down, and I start to talk a mile a minute. I don't think I let her say a word, which, of course, is just a complete horrible move. But I think I tried. She just wasn't saying anything. I asked her, you know, where she got this kid from, and she goes, oh, no, I was never married. She just had a kid on her own. And I go, out of wedlock? And she never found that funny. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to work. But it didn't matter. I just kept talking. I don't even know what I was even saying. Oh, oh, I know what it was. She asked me what I did, and I'm like, "Pardon?" And I'm like, "What? What, what do I? What do I do?" Well, um, I skinny ski. Uh, I go to bullfights on acid. Um, I, you know, just uh, whatever strikes my fancy. Uh, I really just had no answer. I didn't know what to say, and I don't even care. And I could just see she was really having none of it. It like wasn't working from the very beginning, you know. And I just didn't care. And, oh, she said, oh, I like this place because they have a good pour. And if you remember some back episodes from like five years ago, I was dating this super drunk girl down in the Wall Street area who knew all the places to go for a good pour. So then I was like, oh, I like this girl, you know, because she's like, I usually drink hard liquor, but for some reason she was just drinking wine. And then I wish I had just had drank wine because, I don't know, this Johnny Walker Black was kissing, kiss, kicking my ass, and I don't know why. Well, lo and behold... At the 40-minute mark of the date, she, she kept leaving her phone on the table. And I'm like, why is she leaving her phone on the table? Well, I guess she's got a son. She goes, nah, my nanny's with her. So I'm like, my phone was completely in my jacket. Anybody that leaves their phone on the table during a date who you know, has child care, I don't know, that's, put it in your pocketbook. She leaves it up. She keeps looking at it when it's gone. I'm like, what a fucking asshole. You know, really, seriously, what a fucking asshole. She's, you know, she keeps seeing it pop up. She's like, oh, wait, I got to check this. And I'm like, you're a dick. Anyway, 40 minutes in, she gets the call. What? Oh, no. Um, my dad just went to the emergency room. I have to go. And I'm like, oh, no. And I'm like, uh, and she just, cause, <laughs> I mean, I'm not even explaining it correctly. It's right out of the fucking movie. Make sure you call me in 40 minutes. If I'm having a bad time, I'm going to say my dad's going to the emergency room. I mean, it. Re- she goes, oh, it's my dad's friend. He's calling me, and it's just some guy on the phone. And it was so obvious. I'm like, well, which hospital is he in? Which hospital is he in? Yeah, which hospital is your dad going to the emergency room? Uh, it's in Jersey. Where? I'm from New Jersey. Is it in Central Jersey? That's where I'm from. Uh, no, um, you know... Over by uh, Jersey. <laughs> I mean, it was, 
And then I'm like, well, do you need to leave? She's like, no, I can stay and finish my drink. And I'm like, what? And then I was talking to her and she ju- I could see she's just not paying attention. And I'm like, why don't you just leave? I'll be fine by myself. You will? Yes. She's like, nice to meet you. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Basically, I couldn't wait for her to leave. And that so there was a there was something in her wine glass. So I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna let him know. She's like, you don't have to let him know. I'm like, no, nah, I'm letting him know. Because again, here we are at a fancy place. They pride themselves on being all this. He's giving you this nice carafe of wine. They put in a carafe. They bring it. They pour it at the table. If it's got something inside, you got to complain. This isn't an Irish pub where you're like, eh, hey, what are you going to do? So, again, I didn't complain. I mean, the guy was nice. I'm like, oh, this has a thing. And he goes, I'll bring you some more. And she goes, oh, I don't want a full one. You know, because she couldn't wait to leave. And she did. I was like, what an asshole. And I'm trying to be polite because I said much worse. And I hated her. In fact, when she got off the phone and stayed for another five minutes, which I don't know why. I just said, I'm like, well, I can just talk enough for both of us since you're obviously not paying attention anymore. And then I told her the story about the Cheers episode where Cliff, a woman, a woman's dog bites Cliff and he's going to sue the woman. And the woman comes into Cheers and she was going to convince him not to sue. But then she's like, no, forget it. You're too kind a person. And she's playing him. And everyone knows she's playing him, and Cliff is just falling for it. And she brings him to the hotel room, and she's going to have sex with him. And she has the contract, like, oh, can you just sign this? And she's like, no, forget it. Don't sign it. And he goes, no, I want to. And so they're in bed, and she's being all seductive and stuff. So he signs the thing, and she goes, okay, now we can finally be alone. And all of a sudden, she gets a call, and you just hear, oh, no. And then you know that he's been played. And I told her this exact story. And then I said, interestingly enough, this woman, because there was just nothing else to talk about anymore, and I wasn't going to share any of the really good news that I'd gotten that day with her because she didn't deserve it. And I said, you know, interesting, the woman that played that role is in a Rolling Stones video where she plays this super hot girl, even though she's not that hot, where it was banned from MTV because the Rolling Stones pants just exploded because she was so hot. In fact, I believe the song is called She's So Hot. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, just leave, please. Really getting on my nerves, and I really want to use the C word here. So um, so I was like, well, I'm going to stay, and I'm going to finish your drinks because I hate you. And I got to craft myself, too. I decided I changed over to wine. So I go back to the bar with my friend. It wasn't that crowded. And I'm like, you know what? Also, I'm going to, I'm going to get a steak. I'm going to get a fucking steak, and I'm going to eat here. Because that is what I deserve today. Because I just found out about a new job, which again I'll tell you about in a second. But I'm like, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna fucking have a steak. And then I looked at the menu. I'm like, well, maybe I'm not that celebratory because it's like seventy dollars. I'm like, all right, well, let's not get. Uh, you know what? I'll have a shrimp cocktail for twenty dollars. Um, so I got that. I'm like, and I said to that guy, I'm like, this girl was such an asshole. She just pulled the gag where one of her friends called her and she had to leave. And I mean, I, I mean, it's so sad in a way for me, I guess, but I didn't like her either, so it didn't matter. Maybe her dad really was in the hospital, but it doesn't matter now. The story is that her friend called her and she had to run away. I couldn't have been happier, I swear to God. Considering that I was buzzed, I didn't know where I was going, and I really just hated her from the moment I met her. And anybody, and she used, apparently she used to live in my building, and then she was with, oh, so she was with, a, I just found this out from the doorman today. She was with a guy, she lived, she moved in here with a guy who she paid for 
going to law school and all his expenses, paid the rent, and while he went to law school, and as soon as he graduated law and got his bar, she he dumped her. <laughs> yes, score. So then she moved to a different uh, apartment and then uh, she moved out. So it was great. And so this woman is obviously an idiot and people hate her uh, that much that they just run away from her. So I went to the bar and I really enjoyed myself just drinking and texting people and having shrimp cocktail. Oh, my God. It was beautiful. Huge shrimp cocktail. The palm is not as good as Wolfgang's because then I decided somebody ordered Canadian bacon. I'm like, I was going to get. I was gonna. I had, there was something else I was gonna get, and I'm like, should I have this or that? And then somebody bought Canadian bacon. I'm like, you know what? Let me have a strip of Canadian bacon too. And they had dipping sauce. And it was perfect because obviously I wanted to get a steak, and I'm like, uh, I can't pay seventy dollars for a steak. So at least I was smart about that. Obviously, you know, I got to be a little bit frugal. But I was like, you know, fuck this, fuck this. It's one of those situations you got to spend money on yourself. But that was insane, right? So you, know, you still got to be. Smart, a little bit. So I got a strip of Canadian bacon too, and I couldn't have been happier. I couldn't have been happier. The guy was so nice. He was talking to me, and I was texting people and maybe talking a little bit on the phone, and I, I couldn't have been happier that that's the way the date went. I could not have been happier, and I couldn't wait. I'm like this. I can, I, can I do the podcast right from this bar? This is hilarious. Who does that ever happen to except in the movies? But anything that happens in the movies that happens to me to real life is the greatest. So then I'm like, well, I'm dressed nice and I'm out. Maybe I can I'll walk around a little bit. It, well, oh God, before it started to rain again. Oh, but it didn't rain that bad. And I'm like, whatever, whatever. And it was kind of a muggy night, but like a nice night, but whatever. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll make a couple calls, see if anybody wants to meet up. And I called my friend Laura and I texted her. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, you want to meet up? Because I was on, I guess. And he said, why don't you meet me at Molly's? Uh, you know, where I always want to go. And she's like, okay. And, you know, this girl's so sexy and awesome and fun. And the exact opposite from what I was just dealing with. And she met me at Molly's. So I was like kind of done. I'm like, so it was like. You ever see The Wolf of Wall Street? Which, of course, I know I just saw. It's like that Billy Joel. Like, wait, you've never heard Summer Highland Falls? I'm like, yeah, I just heard it today. It's fantastic. Or uh, what is it? Everybody says I love you. I've never heard fuck it before. So then I'm like, I had a great song. And they're like, you're an idiot and you shouldn't be doing a podcast. So here's The Wolf of Wall Street. And there's that part where they're talking about quaaludes and how great they are, right? Because I never understood quaaludes because I'm like, we're going to fall asleep. But he says, Leonardo DiCaprio says, if you can fend off the urge to fall asleep for the first five minutes, then it's awesome. So that's, I think, feel like that's what it was. If I could fend the urge to like fall asleep, and again, I don't know what was happening, why I was buzzed. I didn't have a headache or anything. So I was ready to drink some more, like just to switch over to beer. So now I had already had a scotch and two, like a carafe and a half of wine, white wine, which was lovely. There's <laughs> no other word to put stupid wine. And uh, so I called this girl, and she met me at Molly's, you know, my new favorite place, which is my old favorite place, but it's awesome. And there were seats right there. And I got my black and tan. That's all I wanted. And I ended up staying there till one in the morning. And we met, remember, we met at 4.30. The date was over by 5.15. And, you know, I stayed at that bar until about seven. I remember because I was like, well, maybe I'll watch the Rangers game here. And like, it still hadn't come on. Like not even any sporting events came on. But while I was there, we were so early. So it was still daylight when I got to Molly's. And then she met me, and I was like, I couldn't have been more thrilled to have a black and tan. And I knew the bartender from the last time I was there with Lindsay, terrific Lindsay. 
And then my friend Laura came and she looked amazing. She started drinking martinis. Right, she was drinking martinis. She had like three or four martinis. She just got a salad. I didn't eat anything. I wanted to eat more, but I'm like, well, I just had Canadian. But then when I thought about it, I only had shrimp and Canadian bacon and I, I didn't have anything, so I could have, but I didn't want to spend any more money. I didn't want to eat anymore because then I would just want to probably doze off, even though I really wanted to eat something there. But that's okay. So I just drank and we had a really nice time. And then there was a girl sitting at the bar next to my friend Laura and she looked familiar, but I didn't recognize her. And she's staring at me, and I'm like, what's going on here? What's going on? But then I wasn't thinking about it, and I was just talking to Laura because everybody was staring at everybody there because Laura even was like looking around like, I like the people watching. I'm like, all right, but not on my time. I need focus. So this girl goes, are you Dave Juskow? And I'm like, why, yes, I am Dave Juskow. Would you like an autograph? And she's like, no, no. Ew. <laughs> she's like, no, I thought it was you. I was just texting my friend Perry. And, and it weird, Perry was the last person I went there with when I was going with my friend and my friend Jim. And she goes, I'm make a duty. And I'm like, what? I'm make a duty. I'm like, wait a minute. She's like, I'm, I'm Robin. And I'm like, because we had this old joke that uh, I think Atel made up this name years ago May Caduti. May, first name. Caduti. So whenever I, anybody named May, I'm always like, is your last name Caduti? So, you know, it's just one of those names like um, Dick Hurts. So she told me her name was Robin. I'm like, wait a minute, you're Sugar? Because we always call her Sugar. She goes, yes. And I hadn't seen her in like 20 years. She goes, the last time I saw you was in 2004 for the New York City blackout. And we all went up to this bar in Harlem. And I'm like, oh my God. Right. That was the day after my, I feel like 39th birthday, but that well, yeah, I guess that, yeah, that makes exact sense. So it was great. I mean, she was really cool. And she goes, you know, I come here with Jim and Perry all the time. I'm like, I come here with Jim and Perry all the time. And so, you know, we made plans and it was really funny to see her. And she's like, I just told Perry that you're here. She's like, uh, listen, he doesn't have any money. Run away. No, um, I don't know. It was just funny. It was just look, look at the festive time I had by just switching locations. I mean, I probably should have invited this girl over to this place, but I was trying to be classy on a date when really, you really just got to be yourself. And I didn't want to bring her to that bar in the West Village because I thought it'd be rude for me to know everybody and her not to know everybody. So I wanted to pick a neutral location. But really, you know, the best kind of dates were somebody that would want to go to a bar like that, right? Because that's what I like. So if you're going to pretend you're something you're not, then what are you doing on a date like that anyway, right? I guess. But I hadn't been on a date in so long. It just seemed like the right thing to do. Oh, here we go. You know what I'm talking about. God, the more I think about it, the more I hate that girl. So it's like today I was going to text her and be like, how's your dad doing? But her dad might really be sick. Who the fuck knows and who cares? And I'm like, well, where's your mom? She died 30 years ago. And then she started to cry. And then the rest of the thing, she was just crying the whole time. I'm like, this really is the generally the worst date I've ever been on. And I'm kidding because it doesn't even come. It doesn't even crack the top five. <laughs> Yeah, so we had such a good time at Molly's, old-fashioned. I was talking to the waitress because I remember her from, I'm like, hey, do you remember me? And uh, I w went to see that guy with the bell book and candle, and he got so angry at me. And he goes, oh, he's angry at everybody all the time. And I'm like, oh, well, that makes me feel a little better. And uh, she goes, yeah, you asked him about the TV show Bewitched, right? And I'm like, yes. So that didn't make him angry. Everything makes that guy angry. I don't know why he's happy owning a place in the West Village where it's a happy place. So um, it was great. It was just really, a really fun, great time. Just at a regular people's bar, not a crummy snobatorium, and just having a good time. And we stayed there. I don't know. We had four or five drinks. And, of course, we, we split the bill. 
And I, again, I didn't mind paying for that, you know, her glass of wine, this uh, girl, but uh, I, I couldn't have been happy. When I got the bill, I'm like, good. I'm glad I got a shrimp cocktail or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did it. I couldn't have been happier doing that. It was the best shrimp cocktail I ever had. Really large shrimp. And they had one thing of horseradish and one thing of the sauce. They didn't give me any crackers. Wolfgang's give crackers. I like giving the crackers because I also like the crackers and the sauce. But the horseradish was so hot. It was clearing my sinuses. It's one of those things where you do it and like, oh, no, no, no. And then you can't help yourself but to do it again. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So then um, we went over to Laura's house and, um, oh, oh, my goodness. Oh, stop. Nobody's supposed to. Oh, no. What is going on here? And, you know, hung out for a little bit. And then I was like, well, I have to get, I'm wasted. (laughs) But then I was like talking to my own minute. Remember, I was like sleepy at 4.30. And that was 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, and she's falling asleep. And I'm like, I don't know what happened where I got so wound up, but I couldn't stop thinking of the Wolf of Wall Street. Like I got over this hump. and, And then when I was drinking the Black and Tans, I was back to normal. Like, I wasn't drunk drunk. I was good drunk. Oh, right. And then the, at the end, the guy was like, let me buy you guys a shot. So I ended a shot of Jameson, and I was very pleasantly drunk. Oh, maybe we got a little high on the walk home or something. I, I can't remember, but I was, like, wired, which was so funny because seven hours ago, whatever long that is, 10 hours ago, I was ready to doze off. So then I'm like, I really got to go because I probably could have stayed longer. But I'm like, I have to wake up early and do the podcast and then meet my mother at 1230. So that's what I'm saying to myself. I'm like, well, I got to wake up early and do the podcast because I like doing it at eight in the morning sometimes, right? So I can get out of the way and then, uh, you know, edit, 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 even though I was going to edit on Sunday, whatever, just do it. Not get out of the way. Well, you know what I mean. Not like saying I hate doing it. You know, I don't. So I walked. um, What is that? 40 blocks at two in the morning because I, I, I had to clear my head. I had to walk. I almost was going to take the bike. I'm like, no, I need the walk because I'm drunk, but not drunk, drunk. Like I could still have a conversation or anything, which is weird because when I got to the thing with that Johnny Walker, I was drunk. So I don't think I was slurring my words or anything. Maybe she could tell. Who knows? Who even cares? I walked home. I stopped that sandwich place, got that Hulk sandwich because then I was like, wait a minute. I think I do need to eat again because I only had the shrimp cocktail and a, a strip of bacon and now it's been 12 hours later, so I think I should eat. And you always want to eat when you're drinking before you go to bed. At least it helps me. It makes me not throw up, as long as you don't get something crazy. And so I just ate and um, went to bed and hoped to go to... What, what did I go to bed? At like uh, four, I guess. And then I woke up at like six. Right. And then I'm like, oh, I really need to sleep because I want to wake up at eight. And I'll, all right, I'll set my alarm for nine so I could do the podcast. And then I kept waking up. I'm like, well, let me just set it for 9.30. And then I could still do the podcast from 10 to 11.30. But then I started getting nervous about, first of all, I was hungover. And then I started getting nervous about putting my phone on airplane mode when I knew my sister and my mother were coming in today. You know what I mean? So I'm like, "Uh, you know what? I'll do it tomorrow morning. Screw it. I'll sleep as much as I can because that's the other thing. I don't want to fall asleep at the show, even though this is the first show I've ever seen. Sarah Silverman's Bedwetter I'm talking about. I saw it three times this week. And I never, ever, for a second, even closed my eyes or got tired or fell asleep. And I don't think that's happened at any show I've ever been at. That's how enjoyable this show is. But, but then, like I said, when I came... So, so today, we went... So, I'm just trying to figure out 
how to uh, work everything. So I'll just tell you, yeah. So today, I took my mother and my my sister brought my mother into to the city to see the bedwetter. This is my third time this week. Now I know everybody, you know, at the place and everything because I did the thing on Tuesday. I also went on Friday. Right, because I recorded either on Saturday or Sunday, right? So I told you about Friday already, right? So, you know, we went again, and we were there early, and, you know, I was just so worried to put, put my mother in the seat because it's a big, long row of 20 seats, uh, 18 seats in a row. And so if somebody's got to get in the middle, my mother's got to get up, and it's like, I'm like, oh, if we could just get her to sat down, and then it'll be good, everything will be fine. And, and I'm like, then I'll be, I'll be able to rest, <laughs> you know, a little bit. But uh, it was great. The show was amazing in the sense now I've seen it three times. Talking about the bedwetter off Broadway. I've seen it three times. And this is the first time I saw it where all the jokes were working. The audience was into it. It was laughing the way you're supposed to. I don't know what happened the other night. I don't know why people don't get it right away. Um, but they should. And, of course, it does need to be a little louder so you can hear everything. But this time it was completely working. Everybody was getting the proper laughs where they needed to be. Everybody was having a good time. The songs were all working. It was really terrific again. And Sarah's dad was there. Remember, her dad is the star of the show besides Sarah. I mean, it's really funny. He's got this huge part. Her dad, it's about her and her dad pretty much and her mom, but mostly her dad is, you know, the showstopper, especially the song, I Fucked Your Mom. I Fucked Your Moms. He's talking about the kids in the neighborhood. So, So he's... The days there, everybody's excited that Donald Silverman's in the house. And of course, I've known him for years, so I saw him in the elevator with you know with, with my mom, and my mom was having such a good time meeting everybody. We ran into Rick Chrome, who's in that in the musical on the street, and she gets so excited. And of course, she got to see Sarah, and she hasn't seen Sarah in maybe twenty years since um, we were all in California together once, and besides FaceTiming a couple times. You know, she hasn't gotten to see her, and she loves Sarah because the way Donald Silverman feels about me, she feels about Sarah, like one of her own, you know? So it was really great to see him and watch him. You know, we were right behind him, so watching him watch him, it's, I, I start crying at everything. Like My sister's like, oh, he cries at everything. I have to bring paper towels. I got a sty in my eye on Tuesday because I, I can't, I can't I get excited. I cry for the sad and I cry for the happy. And I'm watching Donald watch himself or I'm watching Sarah watch herself as a young kid. That makes me completely emotional in a good way. So much so that so many tears coming out. I got a sty in my eye again. And like the eyelid, which went away very quickly. But, you know, it was driving me crazy because, you know, something on in the top of your fucking eyelid. You can't even sleep. But it was just so great, and he was so happy. And then, and then, oh my God, the cutest thing! And I can show you on the bonus show, the girl that plays Sarah, who is the cutest. This girl, Zoe. Oh crap! What is her last name? I don't know. Zimmerman, maybe. Um, no, that's the girl who plays Laura. Sorry, I'm uh, talking so much and coming off a hangover that my voice is going. Um, uh, Zoe. Zoe Glick. That's her name. Uh, the most adorable kid you could ever see comes over with her Disney backpack. Remember, she's the fucking star of the show. There's a little 14 year playing a 10 year old, you know, being the lead actress in this show. She comes over with her backpack to meet Sarah's dad. Like her mother was like, you should meet, ask him for a picture, ask him for a picture. Oh, it was the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. The absolute cutest thing. She's the star of the show. And she was like, I, I I just wanted to meet you. Oh, but then it was great because I was telling my sister how these kids are so like, 
when I say affected, they're still polite. And I'll tell you what happened on Tuesday, and it's funny. And then my sister, so much, she was like, um, may I say, sir, it is an honor to play your daughter in this show. My sister just looks at me like, ha, ha, ha. That's what you were talking about, right? I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But, you know, these, this, these kids couldn't be great, greater. You know, they're not, you know, you want them to be like the kid on Pee Wee's Big Adventure. That's what you want. Um, I have been ready since first call. You know what? I cannot do this when he is so late on his cues. That's what you're looking for, for comedy purposes. But no, they're very polite and good kids. And maybe it has something to do with there's no young boys in the show that makes it better. I don't know. There are young girls and they're really cute and adorable. And so that was great. And then we took some pictures and hung around. And then I think they went out for dinner before the uh, eight o'clock show. So it was really great. My mother couldn't have been happier. My sister even drove me home, which is something she hates. She loves to rush home. So that was just great. And we just had a great time. And I walked in my house from the drive because, oh, because I'm sorry, when we left, it was a beautiful day. It started raining again. And I did not bring an umbrella or a jacket. It was my first day without a jacket. I was all confused about that. Oh, the stupid rain. So I was going to walk home, but then it was raining. She goes, I can take you home. And I'm like, really? You really? You don't mind? Because it's going from the west side to the east side. She goes, I don't mind at all. I would, if I minded, I wouldn't have done it. So I drove the car and drove, drove, drove to my house. And then poof, I parked the car. And she goes, where are we? I'm like, we're in front of my house. You live here? Yeah, but just for the past 30 years. But it was great. And then they went home, and I was in such a good mood. I'm like, you know what? I'm doing the podcast. I'm not doing anything. It's Saturday night. I couldn't be happier to be home. Let's just do it. Let's record the podcast. I came in a room and started singing because everybody's like, oh, you should have played this part. You should have played this part. And I don't know whether you know or whether I even told you. I think I did and maybe a year or two ago, right before COVID, that I was up for the part that my friend Rick Chrome plays. Sarah told me. I didn't even know I was up for it. And she goes, listen, we went with Rick. And I'm like, oh, well, I mean, okay. You know, I didn't know. I, was, I wanted to have that part. So everybody was telling like, our friend Lois, who got us into Rayos, and Marina was right in front of me. It was fantastic. Um, she was like, Dave, I could totally see you in that part. Oh, my God. And Marina's like, shut up. That was his part. You know, like, I'm like, no, it, it doesn't bother me. I love Rick. And he was great. But, yeah, no, I could totally be in that show. So, yeah, I came in the house. I was starting singing. I was, I was practicing my voice. I think that's why I came on just singing, sing us a song, you're the piano man. But I was trying to, I mean, I was just singing it in a wacky way, but. I was really trying to see if I could hit the notes and stuff just to, you know, in case it ever comes up in a, you know, you know, in a, in a pinch. Um, so whatever. I was in a really good mood. I'm like, let's do the podcast. Let's do the podcast. Let's do a podcast. Dan, fire up the podcast. As Artie used to say before we would, uh, after he woke up from his nap and then we started the podcast. Oi. And plus, I didn't bring anything to drink with me. You know, I usually have coffee or something, but I already had coffee. I just didn't feel like drinking anything. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm in a good mood. And I think what I want to do is record this and just do all the editing and stuff I have to do tomorrow. You know, let's just have a, let's sober up today, even though I am sober, and just order some food and watch TV. I know that's what I do every day, technically, but not. Anyway, let's go on. We're 40 minutes in. There's so much more I have to tell you. The next stop is 18th Street. So as you know, on Tuesday, I did the talk back for the show. I saw the show, I bought my date, Vincent, and then I went up on stage and did the Q&A. 
So on Monday or Friday, last Friday, I went to the dry cleaners and I had my. I said, "Listen, I need this on Tuesday morning." Or maybe I bought it in on Saturday. I said, "Can you get this to me on Tuesday morning?" And they're like, "Absolutely, we'll bring it Monday. We'll bring it Monday morning, Monday night, something." So I go to the door, and I'm like, "Do I have a dry cleaner?" And they're like, "No." And I'm like, "You know." I don't care that it's not here, but they specifically said they were going to bring it Monday night. Don't say you're going to bring it Monday if you're not going to bring it. I said Tuesday is fine, and I, you know, the, but don't make such a big deal about it. And the best part was, I'm like, it's not here. The place is closed. I go to get a slice of pizza, and I see the woman who runs the dry cleaner walk. I'm like, look, at you, what the fuck, Heidi? What are you doing out here? You said you were going to bring my dry cleaning. <laughs> she was crossing the street. I'm like, wait, should I tell? Nah, I'm not going to say anything. I mean, I just wanted to give her shit because I'm like, why do you even say that you would bring it Monday if you're not going to bring it Monday? Anyway, totally arrived Tuesday and everything was fine, but it was hilarious seeing her. Oh, right. So it was Monday that uh, this other woman, Bonnie, in the building set me up with uh, this. Uh, I want to use very bad words, but I'm trying to be polite. And I'd give anything if she's listening to this show. Like at first I was like, well, I'm not going to say anything because, you know, I'll tell her I have a podcast. And now um, I'd really just give anything if she was listening and I hate you. Uh, (laughs) Hey, I'm having such a good time. I don't really hate her. I'd see her again. (laughs) I wouldn't. Um, Anywho, so, so Tuesday's the big day. And it's, yeah, I'm wearing my suit and it's so cold, but it's not like, it's not cold at first, but I know it's going to be cold, you know? So I'm just wearing my suit, no jacket, my suit jacket, my, a suit, but no tie. And I get to the show. I have to get there at six 30 cause I have to take a COVID test. Oh, I know. I went to get my hair cut first, which was a super smart move. So I took the motor scooter down to Soho to get my hair cut and then walked up, I went into the cellar, I saw Liz, and they're like, why do you look so nice? And I'm like, oh my God, thank you. And then I was telling her what I was doing, and everybody was excited. I saw Bobby Kelly. It was nice to see everybody. And then I walked all the way up to the theater, which I had to be there at 6.30 to get a COVID test. So I told Vincent to meet me there. So I got the COVID test, totally negative, thank goodness, because that could have been a disaster. And then Vincent met me, and he said, and he, his back went out. He, his back was in complete pain. I'm like, Vincent, you don't have to go. He goes, no, I want to go. And I'm like, geez, you know, and remember how much of a problem I had trying to find somebody to go with me. And I'm like, well, I'll take this perfect person. And he, he left halfway through the Q&A. He couldn't take it anymore. I'm not blaming him. It's just like it was annoying because we were looking for him. So I was like, I wanted to say hello to him. And I'm like, well, his back was really hurting. So it was really kind of annoying, but I'm not going to blame him. And I'll tell you about that in a second. Anyway. We go, we watch the show. I have to keep getting up. But this, I, got, now my, I got him, I got my mother that I got to take out of their seats and they got to stand up against the wall while everybody moves in. And if they keep coming in, I got to get them up. Two people with bad backs who can't walk, one in their 70s, one in their 80s, that is just making it, it just so unnecessarily problematic, but it's nobody's fault. It's the way it is. Well, you know, you just got to stand in this little space while everybody's coming through. You don't want to be in everybody's way, but whatever. And so they, they don't make an announcement for Sarah and I talk about it. They don't make an announcement for the thing after. So when the show is over, everybody's leaving. And then they finally just some girl was yelling, hey, we're doing this thing. And I'm like, this is so weird. So they put up a thing for me and I go up on stage and I get a clipboard and then I get the mic and I, 
Uh, however, and just Sarah and Josh come in. They tell me who's going to be there. It's going to be Sarah and Josh. And I can't believe none of the other actors. Obviously, Rick Crome came because he knew I was doing it, right? And the kids, the girls, one who plays Sarah, the one who plays her sister, Laura, and the three little villain girls. And that was it. And it was beautiful. I mean, really, it was fantastic. But, you know, it's rude of the other actors to not want to do it. it. The whole thing was fakakta in the sense that, oh, you don't even understand. These emails were going back and forth on Monday. Everybody was panicked. It's like they're saying there's no structure. And I'm like, well, of course there's structure. I'm going to give you the structure. You want me to give you the structure that my plan is? I can give it to you. And it's like everybody's panicking. I'm like, they're panicking? What do you think this is, 60 minutes? Because I told Sarah, I'm like, Sarah, I'm going to go to you. I'm like, did you or did you not vote yes on Proposition 12? Answer the question. <laughs> she was laughing so much. She's like, you got to do that tomorrow. And I'm like, I don't think I should because I think it'll scare the little girls. So it was so weird that I called Sarah. I'm like, what the fuck is going on over there? She goes, actually, it's my fault. I said there's no structure because I was complaining that, pe- that I have to convince people to goddamn do this. This is insane. What is happening? What's the matter with these people that they don't want to show publicity for their show? It was weird. We got out there. I don't know how many of you were able to see it on YouTube. I can't even find that on YouTube. I emailed the lady the other day, and I'm like, where the fuck is it on YouTube so I can see it, so I can send it out? We can show publicity. And I just kept promoting the Atlantic Theater Company. and say, you got to go. This is an amazing theater. And Vincent gave me this unbelievable piece of information, which everyone loved, which I think actually got me a job to be continued in a second. I'm not leaving you on a cliffhanger. I'm just going to tell you what happened after. The director of that theater is named Neil Pepe, and I didn't know this. And Vincent told me, yeah, he just directed American Buffalo on Broadway. So I said, you know, this is a great, you, you might want to join as a member. The Atlantic Theater Company, not only you get to see plays like this, but you always get to see plays like this. This is a very, you know, they coddle a play and send it off on its merry way. And, you know, the director right now, the the, the person in charge of this theater company has, is now the current director of American Buffalo on Broadway, which just nominated for Tony's. And what's better than having a director of a, uh, you know, a theater type like this be actually doing Broadway work? And people were just like, that's the best thing he could have ever said. It was beautiful. It was really beautiful. Sarah was like, wow, that was really impressive. She saw my piece of paper. She goes, wow, you're prepared. I'm like, yes, I'm completely prepared. I knew everybody's name. I knew what to say. Everything was cool. I had the good questions. Apparently, I was talking good into the mic, which I still don't think worked very well. I don't know who's doing the sound over there, but everything was good, and Sarah was very impressed, and the Atlantic Theater Company, the two people that I talked to that run it, they were really happy because I just kept saying, because I'm like, I thought that was the point. You want to make new members. It's like a, like, a P, like a PBS telethon with my tote bags. <laughs> you know? You're trying to get new subscribers, that's the key, right? It's not so much the play. The play or is already sold through the roof and probably going to Broadway. You, the, the point of this was to get people to learn about the Atlantic Theater Company. Or at least I thought that's what it was. They just were like, wow, I, I didn't know he was going to do this. So I'm pretty sure that I will be the guy that does this all the time because they were really happy with me. And believe me, I couldn't be happier that it worked out well, right? Because I was, I was nervous. I was nervous in the sense like... I don't want to fuck this up. I don't care about the Atlantic Theater Company. I mean, I do because they're all very nice and everybody's been so nice to me, but I don't want to fuck it up in front of Sarah. Even though it wasn't her idea to have me on. It doesn't matter, right? It, uh, as far as everybody's concerned, I'm friends with Sarah and that's the case. But, you know, I said, even if it's just me and Sarah, it's not going to make a difference. As long as Sarah's there, no one's going to care who's on that panel. And Sarah and I have been friends for 30 years. I'm sure we'll be able to find things to talk about. And then, thank God, Rick was there. And I'm like, well, let me tell you something about Rick Chrome. 
Rick Chrome is the reason the Comedy Cellar is the way it is, is as prestigious as it is now because he is one of like the inventors of it. Like he was on the ground floor and made it the prestige it is today. So everybody was thrilled about that. And Sarah was like, that's true. That's true. So it was really good. I was like impressing Sarah. And I'm only saying this because it, it, it's relevant to what I'm going to tell you next. So then the kids are going, she's like, you know, let the kids talk. Or I'm like, no, I have questions for all of them. So, you know, first, of course, I ask uh, the girl that plays Sarah, and I'm like, boy, this is a really big role. You know, and then, then I was asking the question, like, uh, you know, did, did you have a conversation about the fact that your lead actress doesn't have any dialogue for the first 20 minutes of the second act? They're like, well, you know, uh, we, we hadn't really thought about it, and some, somebody bought it. So I was asking good questions. I was proud of myself. Why wouldn't I be, right? I, was, I mean, I have to be, right? Because um, it's nerve-wracking ask, asking questions and you know, thinking of things to say. I'm not a good improviser, but I was very prepared. So then we're talking to the little girls. There's the three of them, Charlotte, Charlotte, and Abigail, I think. So I gave one of the girls the mic, cutest girl you could ever see. And she, and so she goes, you know, I'm so happy to be in this play. And I think it's important that it shows the awareness of depression and where we are today. I mean, this is a 12-year-old girl with talking, like, and I got the mic back and I said, Sarah, can you imagine you and me at this age talking like that? I mean, the, you girls are unbelievable. You are the classiest adults. Like, it was all good. And then I was like, am I allowed to call you girls? I'm confused. I don't know what the words are now. But the audience was with me 100%. We did take one question from YouTube. Sarah's dad just said a question, but we didn't hear it till later. He's like, uh, don't you believe that the actual Donald Silverman is much better looking than the guy playing? That He's so funny. He loved that. I mean, the premise of the show is that Donald Silverman fucks so many women. He couldn't be more thrilled <laughs> with the way it really would be. You're going to see a play about Dave Juskow and the playwright wrote like that. Dave Juskow had sex with so many women. <laughs> like, do you, are you okay with this? Am I okay with this? So it's really funny, but it was really great. These little girls, they were so cute. You've got to see the video. i got to get a copy. There's a picture somewhere. They were just so adorable, and they were just staring at me the whole time, and I'm like, they're looking at me. Wait, are they hitting on me? I said to Sarah, and she goes, no, I, I think they're looking at you because they think you're a big producer, and they want work You know, later after this show. And I'm like, ah, that makes sense, you know, because they were either looking at me at, with fear that I was going to ask them some, you know, did you or did you not vote yes on him? Which way did you vote on? Roe versus Wade. What do you think? Overturned or no? I mean, if like that's even a question at the theater, right? You're going to ask that question. Well, how do you feel about this Roe versus Wade? Well, we think it should be overturned. We're Broadway theater and we think Roe versus Wade should totally be overturned. Really? Did not see that coming. So it was great. Uh, I lasted as much time as I was supposed to, and then I hung out, and we, you know, we talked to the cast for a while, and schmoozed, and had a really great time, talked to the staff, and I walked Sarah home, I'm trying to think if it was raining again, I don't, no, it wasn't, but it was getting colder, and I was just wearing the jacket, I don't think it was raining, yeah, okay, <laughs> oh my god, right? So I walked her home. We hung out for like a half hour. I was telling her how brilliant the show is and really not to kiss her ass. I mean, sorry, she doesn't give a shit. In fact, she's been surprised. And she goes, listen, I know you're always honest with me. And 
you just continuing to praise this show has got to be real. And I'm like, it is, Sarah. This show is fantastic. I never tire of it. I cannot wait to see it again. I've never felt this way about a show. It's not My friend's not even in it. It's just so entertaining. I guess I like shows with kids that are about kids that sing at the top of their lungs. And uh, it's funny. And, the, and it's Adam fucking Schlesinger. So it's like listening to a... Fountains of Wayne album, you know? I'm sure that has something to do with it. You know, it's not all great. It's just, I mean, it is. It's entertaining. But it's Adam fucking Schlesinger and his final work. And I can't get enough of it. And I promise you, a lot of you won't be able to go see this even when it comes to Broadway. You know, if you live in Chile or something or whatever. Even if you're Marcy, you live in Cincinnati, whatever. You know, who knows when you're coming to Broadway if this indeed goes to Broadway, which I believe it will. But, you know, what if it doesn't? You're not going to be able to see it. So you hope for the soundtrack. You just hope you can listen to the soundtrack, which I'm sure will come out at some point. And boy, will you be like, I get it. I get it. I see why he's obsessed. You know, like with Dear Evan Hansen's wonderful soundtrack. or something. But this is so good. It's Adam Schlesinger, man. Just listen to that. What's that Founds of Wayne um, album? Uh, it's called it's called like a highway or freeway or something. I, I I don't know. Every song is a gem. I think I played you Mexican Wine one time, and there's another song. Um, what's it called? Business. I, I I can't think of it right now. But the man was a goddamn genius. A genius. I'm not using that word lightly. He was a a musical mastermind. Sarah was saying so many funny things on the thing that he, or maybe she didn't even tell him things she might have told later. He loved doing jingles. There's one where Miss America, Miss New Hampshire is doing something for Manchester Toyota. And she's like, he wrote that in an hour. He loved doing the jingles and he liked making up funny names. Just do like funny names of the people have been having. He just, that was his thing. He was so creative in so many ways and he's just sorely missed. And that's a, it's a problem, you know, um, that hangs over the show. It's a major bummer. Anyway. I leave Sarah's place, and I'm like, this sucks. I have to have a drink. I thought Vincent was going to be with me. I got to get a drink. So I go down to the village, which is the only place I know where I can go by myself and hang out and talk to somebody. I knew who the bartender was, this guy Todd. And I could be like, good. I can hang out there. But I looked so good. I'm like, I really want to invite a girl because I look good. And, you know, it's not very often you look good or you think you look good. You know, you know what I'm saying. Everybody has those days. So I invited this guy. I'm not going to say her name. You you know her. She's awful. So I don't have to say her name. You know who I'm talking about. Maybe. Maybe you don't. It doesn't matter. I invite her because she's just so hot. Ugh. And she lives nearby. So I'm like, hey, I'm here. And we've been talking a little bit. Ugh. So I invited her. And she came by. And she's so gorgeous. And then, oh, and then um, I and then uh, outside Steve came by. I said, well, if you're by, just come by for a second, you know, in, in between his uh, work at the cellar. So he came by and I got to talk to him for a while, which was so great. I was so happy he came in because I just wanted to see people and talk and have a couple of beers, you know. And then Atel came by. Just I said, why don't you come outside and I'll smoke, you know, you can smoke a cigarette. I'll sit outside with you, which he did. He came with Wilson events and it was great. It was freezing at that point, but it was great that he came. He smoked two cigarettes. We just at least we got to talk for a little bit because I know he doesn't like to come into the bar. 
And then um, I went home with this girl. Uh oh. Well, I say that because, you know, uh, I walked her home because she lives in the neighborhood and she goes, hey, do you want to come upstairs and I'll light a fire? Well, if that doesn't call for this, then I don't know what does. I'm like, really? Yeah. She has a studio apartment and we're sitting on her bed and I'm like, wait, does she want, wait, is this, is, am I, are we doing this? <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, they try and kiss her. It's like, what do you take me for? <laughs> How can I misread those signs? Do you want to come up and hang out in my bed and light a fire? <laughs> How can I misread those signs? What do you take me for? Alan, I won't deny it. I'm a nymphomaniac. I discovered sex very early. I slept with everybody. My school teacher, my sister's husband, the string section of the New York Philharmonic. I want to have sex all the time. Play all the time. Otherwise, you're just down. And what, why be down? The best way to get up is sex. I'm not like my sisters. They're so inhibited. They never want to do anything. I believe in having sex as often, as freely, and as intensely as possible. What do you take me for? How did I misread those signs? So I left, and I remember thinking, so I tried to take the subway because I just, it was freezing. And I'm like, God, this sucks. It's May 10th. It's fucking freezing. I can't stand it. One more minute. And I saw the subway. And like I said, they got those numbers now. So it said 29 minutes. I'm like, screw that. I got to take a cab. I got no choice. Too cold for the bike. The Revel scooters don't work for a while, uh, you know, until 5 a.m. And uh, I had to take a cab. There was no choice. And I was really angry about it. And I don't even know why. It was no big deal. But it was. I don't know. What camps suck. And they're bumping. And their shocks stink. And it just pissed me off. But. I remember exactly when I got home because I looked at the time so I could say, I got to say this on the podcast, 5.12. I got home at 5.12 a.m., okay? So I go, and I'm wide awake and loaded about this unbelievable evening, right? Super fun. Everything about it was exciting. You know, what a night, you know? I left my house at like what? 3.30, I got home at 5.15. I mean, that's classic. And I did a good job, and I got paid, right? So, you know, let's celebrate. So it was fun. So I get into my kitchen. I'm like, I'm going to have something to eat. I hadn't eaten all day. So I'm making some dumplings. And I'm like, so much so, like, I, I have frozen dumplings. So I, I boil some water. Like, I'm really like going for it. I'm not just putting shit in the microwave. And I boil some water. And, and, and put the dumplings in, and I eat these dumplings, and they were delicious. And then I'm saying to myself, fucking Vincent, man. And I don't, I'm not blaming Vincent. Vincent's the best. You had a bad back. What are you going to do? That's what you get when you invite somebody who's 72 years old, <laughs> which I'm going to be tomorrow. Anyway, you know what? I got to move out of New York. It's over. Because the fact of the matter is that if I can't invite Vincent where I made the logical choice, and instead of bringing a date or, you know, somebody where I'm like, well, this is a situation I should get a date. I made the right choice. I made the right choice. I chose a man that, you know, knows about theater, that Sarah likes. It's not going to be, oh, Jessica, you chose one of your bimbos again, I see, or something. You know what I'm saying? 
And I said, well, where? And but but he couldn't do it, right? So, but but he would still be off on a couple of these boxes I need checked. So I went over all the things I did that night, and I went over all the girls or guys that I know, and who could I get to do this? And when I say this, I'm talking about this. I'm talking about meeting me at the theater on time, sitting through a show, conducting yourself in a proper manner. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Then waiting by yourself in the audience while I go up on stage and do what I got to do and not being impatient. Then coming up on the stage, talking to the cast, schmoozing a little bit, taking your time, leaving the place, talking to the crew, talking to everybody with Sarah and everything. And, and not being like, David, we have to go. You know what I mean? I know you know exactly what I mean. Somebody who's not going to bother you. Somebody who can talk to people, um, you know, without you there. And those girls or boys are hard to find. I'm talking to either sex would do. Then we have to be able to walk Sarah home and then spend a half hour with her, with her in her apartment without them getting starstruck or nervous, or acting weird, or taking photos, or that kind of stuff, right? And then you'd have to go out for a drink with me. Just one drink, and then you could call it a night. And I said to my, and I went down my entire contacts list. I went down the entire list in my phone, from uh, A to Crazy Rhoda Zimmerman. And uh, couldn't find one person. And the only person, and I called her about this, that checked all the boxes was my niece, Liza. Liza could have done all those things and Sarah would have been thrilled to see her. Liza would have been thrilled in the other way and she's so cool and then she definitely would have wanted to go out for a drink and we could have rushed her to the train or maybe she could have stayed over but she wouldn't have rushed her. She would have, she would have been okay taking the last train at 1.30 in the morning going home if she was there but of course she lives in Boston. But that's it. Liza, my niece, the only one that checks all the fucking boxes. You believe that? Couldn't find one other person. I know Murphy said, like, what about Eric Bronstein? And I'm like, and you don't know him, and I don't really know him that well. I'm like, well, I don't know him that well. I mean, maybe he could, but I don't know him well enough. You know, it's what am I? I'm just bringing random people now. They, I mean, that's a lot of boxes to have to check. So I think everybody would have that problem. Like, who is the perfect person? That's a good hang. And is not going to make a fool out of themselves. Well, goddamn, my niece Liza. And quite frankly, I believe at this point, although you know, I, we were might not get along when he's younger. My nephew Billy could be that person, but he's only nineteen, so he couldn't do the drinking part. I think I could have hung out with him when he becomes twenty-one. You got to get the drink. You got to get the drink at the end. You don't mind? I don't mind drinking alone, but you got to have the celebratory drink. I had a a, a night of a lifetime for me, Dave Juskow, who things only you know go interestingly well and that's a fun interesting night for me and very exciting gotta have a celebratory drink it's not like with comedy where i shouldn't be having the after show beer because i don't perform enough it should be like i should be performing every day where there's no celebration next necessary because it's my job but i felt this deserved celebratory i did a lot of work i put a lot of work into it i put a lot of time and effort into it i was going emails back and forth and all this kind of crap and dealing with the cast craziness and all that and you know, it was going to be on YouTube for posterity and you dress up and you spent money on dry cleaning and a haircut, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, well, why? I deserve a drink. So I just had a couple of drinks and it was okay. But it, it's funny. I was thinking about, went through all my contacts and I'm like, you know what? I should just leave because there's no one here I can invite anywhere. 
you know, until at least Catalina can come up from Chile or uh, uh, Jenny uh, Sanchez. Uh, I don't know. I <laughs> people I've never met yet. I feel like they'll get it. I don't know why. Marcy, you know, these are the people from that found me on Billy Joel or whatever, and they now listen to the podcast. I mean, these, well, these people I've never met, but I have contact with through either DM or email seem what, like they check all the boxes more than the people I fucking know for 30 years. How is that possible? I mean, could I bought Elon? Yeah. <laughs> I suppose he would do it, but he, I, Elon's wife actually would. I told Elon, I'm like, well, you're, if you, is your wife available? Because <laughs> she's okay. She's cool. But yeah, it's funny. You just gotta. Uh, that's a that's a tough that's a tough call. But it could, it's a very exciting thing to do. It's like the time Jeff took me to Madison Square Garden to the Chappelle event when clearly he could have taken a girl to get laid, <laughs> and he chose his pal Dave Juskat, which I could not be happy about. I mean, that's definite a thing. You know, to if, if I was him, and I was, uh, but I think at this age, I mean, I think if he was younger, just like me, like that's why I was okay with Vincent. I probably would have taken a random girl. But Jeff, the way he's doing, where he's actually performing at MSG, how do you not bring a girl? But he does it multiple nights. And like I said, we're older. We don't care anymore. We've already bought girls to these kind of things before. And they haven't worked out well. So what? let's just stick with the friends we know we're going to have a good time with. Which is why I chose Vincent. Then I was so angry. I was really angry at him, but not angry at him for real. I know he had a problem. And it wasn't like this girl saying, right? And the girl from last night, the date, she said, he's in the hospital with a bad back. And I'm like, what is this, deja vu? He's in the hospital with a bad back? Vincent had a bad back. He didn't go to the hospital. So that was the hilarious uh, story I had. But I haven't told you the best part. Now, apparently, whenever I do a good job, in front of Sarah Silverman, uh, and she remembers that I'm still, uh, whether it's an actor or a comedian or something, because I think sometimes, you know, she doesn't live in New York, we spend time together, but she might just be like, he's my friend, and sometimes I think she forgets I do comedy, because for so long I've had a regular job and all that stuff, right? So when she sees me working and we're working together, it seems to ring a bell in her head that says, why not just gal? You know what I mean? Especially since somebody else recommended me from her show. So I got the call I always get after I've done a good job that Sarah sees. Like, all right, what about Jessica? It's not her fault. I'm not out in L.A. I'm not acting all the time. When I was in Crashing, the next day after it aired, I got a call from her manager. And she said, Jessica, Sarah, Sarah loved you in the show. She thinks you're a great actor. This is my friend of 30. She thinks you're a great actor. She needs you to open for her when she goes to Toronto. And I'm like, well, I haven't been doing comedy anymore. I kind of retired. Well, you better practice. What my client wants, she gets. So get ready. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, my, my um, assistant's calling you with the details tomorrow. And I'm like, what, tomorrow? So lo and behold, as you know, I've been looking for work, trying to get anything, asking for help. Sarah's manager calls me, and I'm like, uh, and it was the night. I'm like, is, 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 are you going to hurt my feelings? I thought maybe it would be like, just cow, if you're going to do something like that, don't put my client on this. It was the exact opposite. She goes, just cow, um, we 
Sarah Silverman has a new show. I keep saying her name in case you forget, but I don't think we need to know. She's got a new show on TBS called Stupid Petrix, which is a, they're taking it from the David Letterman old. It's David Letterman approved, Stupid Petrix. I didn't know, I thought it was old clips from the Letterman show, but it's in front of a live audience. People have animals and do tricks. And she goes, we want you to, we're also making the entire staff animals. So it's like the Muppet show. Where not only is the show within the show, but there's the behind the scenes, you know, with Scooter and, you know, somebody running the curtains and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the staff are animals. And there's two writers that are dogs who write all the show's material, the monologues. And they want me to play one of the writers. It's the biggest part of the show that's not Sarah. And I said... I can't believe it. This is a, really? I can't. She's like, well, you know, you got to audition. And I'm like, listen, that's all I've ever asked for. I'm not, I don't expect anybody to give me a part. I haven't worked in like 30 years. I just want to, I just want a chance. I want to be included. That's all I've ever wanted. So um, they gave me the sides. I sent them the tape. And I found out yesterday, Friday, just before I went out on the date, <laughs> I got the job. I got the job. I booked, finally, a voiceover television show. It is a recurring part. It's 10 episodes at least. And I think they're going to give me a second part. I don't mind telling you this. I don't think it has to be a secret. It doesn't matter. And, you know, who listens to this podcast anyway? I mean, no offense. But what is Catalina going to tell tell her father? And what's he going to (laughs) do? Even if she tells her classmates in Chile, they're going to be like, first of all, I have... No idea who Sarah Silverman is. I've never heard of Dave Jessica for a fact, even if I've heard of an inkling of Sarah Silverman. And what is it, stupid Petrix? What does that translate to in uh, Chilean? It sounds, re- they sound delicious. <laughs> I'm making fun of your third world country. You're welcome. This is the kind of comedy I bring to a TBS show. Now, on the flip side of that, I had, when I found out Sarah was doing the show, when I wasn't involved, I had called TBS and said, oh my God, you guys are having another reason why you're not going to have the Big Bang Theory on and um, because they keep doing this with Rat in the Kitchen and Chad. And I'm like, hey, stop making shows that aren't the Big Bang Theory reruns. And now I, ugh, I think I did put my name on it and I wrote it to the president. So that could be the one thing that might be a problem. But I booked the gig and I might get another part and... Um, it's done. I got it. Like, I, I mean, I was pretty sure. I think the audition was a formality. Obviously, I have Sarah's approval, but, you know, who knows? And I just made these funny, you know, I, I was just my voice. They were like my voice. Uh, you know, just do your voice and be the crotchety old just guy on the city guy, you know? Oh, I'm a dog. I'm a live dog. I'm doing the voice. I'm like, oh, the opening monologue killed me. What's in the vending machine? Ooh, a pill wrapped in cheese. That should do it. You know, something like that. It's great. Scripts are awesome. I sent it to the guy. He's like, I'm like, listen, I could do anything you need. I could change anything you want. He's like, no, these are great. These are great. Um, and I'm like, you sure? <laughs> but yeah, how exciting is that, right? So that's something. Also, it's funny, that day on Wednesday, I had a meeting for a new job, a regular person's job at the law firm where I told you I'd be doing Saturdays to Wednesdays, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And I met the uh, people there on Zoom. And, uh, you know, we had a really good talk. I'm taking a test on Monday. I knew everything they wanted. I think they were very impressed. Uh, the opposite of my date, I think they really did like me. Uh, they're like, it says on your application um, 
that at your last job you left because you wanted to pursue other things outside of law? What does that mean? I'm like, oh, well, I didn't want to put down that. I thought it'd be weird if I put down, tried to do stand-up comedy. And, and so then that's a good way of asking, to get them to ask the question. Obviously, I don't want to tell them uh, anything else, but that, but it, I mean, it's true. So, um, so then I think they liked that because it was funny and it's honest. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Didn't work out again. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, I mean, the bummer, the only bummer is going to the office and how far away it is. And then I looked at the, the Vespas and um, they, they are not really around there, which is bothering me because that was the only exciting thing about going. I might have to go to work three days a week Ugh. and on Tuesdays, which would be really tough to come back for the six o'clock show. But I need a job and I got to take a job, even though I just got a job, which will pay pretty good. I got to get this job because I got to make the money back that I haven't been getting. So I told you everything would work out. And plus, I have, you know, a couple of my articles published. So, you know, maybe I told you, you know, I had hope. Everything would come around. It's just I probably should have pursued this a little earlier uh, so as not to be in this hole. So maybe that's the other reason I ordered the shrimp cocktail and the side of bacon. I'm like, you know, this was a really great day. I just found out an hour before I got on the motorcycle to leave. And I didn't even tell the date what had happened because she didn't deserve the information. And I knew she wouldn't have understood how funny this is going to be. And what is this? Well, you think this isn't in my wheelhouse? What's the last thing I was on TV fucking Funhouse. I played a chimp, a lamb, and a calf. This is what I do. Have you ever seen puppet pics? I love voicing puppets and live animals. It is my thing. This is perfect for me. It's one of those TV shows that has the old-fashioned pull-chain toilet. You could put a gun in the back. So that is uh, very exciting news for me and us. Because you'll be able to see it on TV. And you'll be like, oh, my God. He's, he's just talking like himself. Now, he, well, you can just add it up to being like, well, now he's getting paid for his podcast. Because I don't see the difference between what he's saying and just out in the city. you know. But, you know, so what? I deserve it. But nobody's complained that I don't. It's just like all of a sudden I got angry. But, uh, yeah, I'm taking this test for this thing. And then maybe I'll have this other job. I, you know, and we'll keep busy. And we'll get stuff done, huh? Yes. I, you know, and then maybe things will work out even better and then I'll be able to leave that job. But uh, listen, the reason I'm worried about taking this job and everybody knows it, or maybe I haven't told you. And when people are like, just go, just take the job, take it for six months. Everybody's taking it, take it for six months, take it for six months. You see, the problem is, and I don't know whether I told you this or not on a previous podcast, but that's what happened with my last two jobs. Okay. So in 1992, yeah. I think 1992, when uh, I was working on a show with a bunch of sports guys through a sports agency and a really popular sports agency. I was working with these guys to do the Final Four on a game show, which they ended up, I believe, stealing. Whatever. I was working with these guys, and my friend who worked there, who was the head of the guy, the place, said, listen, you know, and I was at this company and they're like, just take the job, take the job for six weeks. We'll, we'll figure out if the show's going to go after that. And you'll take the job, you know, for a couple of, and then you'll leave. And I'm like, okay, you're right. Eight years later, you know what I mean? So in 2000, 
I get myself into this hole again. I go out to LA. I have a miserable time. I have to borrow money. Same thing as in 2022. Exact same hole. Except, you know, there wasn't a worldwide pandemic that got it started. Same thing happens. That's when I was actually doing TV Funhouse. Well, no, I know what happened. I took another job. And I'm like, ah, you'll just be in it for six. 20 years later, it's funny, the day I got the job, I got TV Funhouse and I had to leave for three days. And then I was there for 20 years later. So that, so you can see that's where I'm worried because well, this time, 20 years later, <laughs> won't be that great. <laughs> but I'm, that's what I'm worried about. It's very easy to stay at a job where you're comfy and cozy and you get a paycheck every day. It's very difficult to leave and very easy to stay. And that's the only thing I'm worried about. However, in this case, working you know technically three days a week at the office, two days from home is a little different than a five-day-a-week job although it is really out of the way. So that's an issue. But maybe they'll let me work from home more, maybe less. Who knows? Maybe they'll let me switch some hours and days. So I think you got to take the job. And, uh, you know, maybe it won't be so bad. It is this, I mean, the funny thing is I love doing this stuff. It's stupid. It's like document work. It's like computer work. I love it. I don't know why. I can't tell you why. I love, doing, I love working on a computer. I always have. I don't know why. It's relaxing something about it. I like figuring out the problems, but I also like doing comedy and acting, <laughs> but this is a working on the computer is a really lazy way to make a paycheck and not do anything creative or anything, but hopefully I'll still be able to do stuff while I'm at work. Who knows? I'm, I don't know. I don't know, but that's what happened. So it was funny on that day. I got a regular job and maybe and a real job and another job for writing. So that was a good day. And I went to the diner. Oh, I remember also, my cleaning lady came. I finally had money that I got paid for the show that I could tell my cleaning lady to come again. So I couldn't have been more thrilled. The apartment was clean. I, I, I felt like a million bucks, like just that the apartment was clean. It smelled nice. I loved seeing my cleaning lady. I liked talking to her. I liked hanging out with her. It looked so good when I came in. And then I just like, you know, got all this information. And I'm like, Wow. This is a good, productive day. They should all be like this. Plus, it was nice weather, too. Meanwhile, on Friday, I went to Dunkin' Donuts, right? And uh, the lady who I usually know there wasn't being very friendly. I think her name is Jolly. <laughs> Indian, you know, with the parka or burka, whatever it's called. I know that for you. She knows my order. We've talked about this. Large with coffee? No, today I'm going to get the medium. You know, either one. I always get the coffee with milk. No sugar. And I said, and this time I want a croissant. And she was mean about it. Like, um, and, uh, and so she, it was more expensive than usual. And I said, I didn't say anything. So maybe they raised the price. And they always give you the receipt there for some reason. And I said, oh, you charged me for two croissants. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's so funny. She wasn't paying attention. Listen, she's probably having a bad day. She works fucking Dunkin' Donuts. She wasn't paying attention. And she goes, oh, no, oh, oh, no, oh, no. And I'm like, that's all right. And she goes, uh, I don't know. I'm like, I'll, I'll take it. It's, it's all right. Are you sure? Like then she was like really apologetic. But, you know, if you were a little nicer to me at first, we could have worked this out. When, I would say to her like, when do I ever order two croissants? Ever. I mean, even if I'm getting stuff from my doorman, it's usually a donut. When would I get two? Why would I get two croissants? You know my coffee order. Whenever I ever gotten two croissants, you know, or... Or, you know, if I get another donut, it's for somebody else. I always tell you to put it in a separate bag. It's very clear. 
boy, we really, well, why wouldn't we? We've talked for the exact hour and 20 minutes. I, I had a whole bunch of other stuff to tell you in the sense of just news articles and stuff. It's not necessary this week. But I did want to tell you about this one last thing before we go. There's a comedian friend of mine, another comedian friend of mine named Dan Vitale. And um, I probably could have had him on this podcast. I've known him for years. And uh, he was uh, an interesting guy. He was a big druggie and a drunk. And he was on Saturday. But we were very close. I mean, we were friends. Well, we saw each other. We liked each other very much. But he, he was like me at this point where he doesn't go out very much. And he didn't go along. But he had this great storied career where he was a legendary comic. For those, for those of us who knew him. And the younger generation wouldn't know who he was at all. And I've told you about him before because I know I told you this one particular story. I'm going to tell you again just really quickly that he got Saturday Night Live in like, I don't know, 82, 85. I don't know. Maybe with Robert Downey Jr. I don't know. Uh, Lauren loved him and he was thinner then and cool. And he was so fucked up. He was going downstairs when it was live to get Coke and then he'd miss his sketches. So he had to fire him. But before that all happened, when Lauren Michaels was like, I got this new guy. I love him. His name's Dan Vitale. He took him to Yankee Stadium with Art Garfunkel. He saw the Yankee game, and then he was drunk, and he got into a big fight with Art Garfunkel and ended up throwing up on him. Now, if that's not the greatest story ever told, I don't know why. But then, of course, it got better when I found out only a couple years ago that the reason they got into a fight was because they were fighting over a girl they were both dating at the same time who happened to be Penny Marshall, which is even funnier than anybody would be fighting over Penny Marshall. If you don't know who Penny Marshall is, that's Gary Marshall's sister and Penny Marshall from Laverne and Shirley. Hilarious stuff. But he was a great guy. He got me out of, oh my God, he knew I hated this one. I'll just tell you really. You know what? I'll tell you next week because he died. He died two weeks ago. All these comics are dying. 66. Almost same age as Gilbert, right? Everybody's fucking dying. All dying in their 60s. Saget, Gilbert, Norm, um, this guy Dan. I think I'm missing somebody. Oh, Louis Anderson. It's really fucked up. It's like no one else is dying except comedians. I mean, I don't have to worry because I die on stage every night. What? <laughs> Hi. Anywho, um, well, I'll tell you more about this guy next week, but his funeral is on Saturday. So, well, that doesn't actually affect the podcast or anything. So I'm just saying uh, another comic comedian's funeral. Uh, they're dropping. I mean, he should have been dead a long time ago. So this is really fucked up that it la- that it even lasted this long. I mean, he was a drug induced drinking mess, but he wasn't drinking at the time. He'd been in recovery for a long time, but he was very overweight and out of shape. I mean, you know, that's me saying that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he was very big, but he was a fun guy, and we all knew each other. And I kept tabs on him in a sense. And uh, I will tell you some things that. He did that helped me out of tight spots, which made him a really terrific guy and a good friend. And he could make me laugh like a hyena the way Jeff and Dave do, too. He was that good. And he had his classic uh, joke that I've probably told on the podcast before, but I will tell it again. But I'll tell you all that next week when I learn more about him, possibly that I don't know, from the funeral that is happening happening uh, next Saturday. Another funeral, another comics funeral, which is weird that it's on a Saturday night. So that means it's definitely guys my age who don't work on Saturday nights anymore. I don't think it's going to be the Attells or Jeff Ross's. It's, it's definitely not going to be like Gilbert's. It's going to be a little different this time. But uh, sad news on that front. But um, 
Happy news everywhere else. And uh, what's better than a funeral? I've never had a bad time at one. Uh, you know we'll probably get some laughs. And uh, listen, hey, hey, Stacy. Oh, right. I did hear from uh, our friend who wants to be on the podcast that was in uh, Fast Times Richmond High. Obviously, we're still looking for uh, Mike Damone, but uh, he said he would come on. He's very nervous. He's almost like uh, the kids or, or the, the cast of uh, The Bedwetter where I, I think he... I think he listened to the show, finally he understood, but I, I think at first he was like, well, what kind of questions are you going to ask? I'm like, I don't know. I, I need to know your stand on the, on the abortion. What do, you, what do you think? January 6th? Was that the right thing to do or the wrong thing? You know, I mean, it's like, it's just, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what people think I'm Dave Juska was going to ask, except softball questions. I try and make everybody look good. That is my plan. Uh, and remember... And speaking of which, uh, this Tuesday, I think I'm going to have Fred Stoller on the show. He wants to come on and promote something. And remember how nervous, if you remember on the Tuesday show, how nervous he was that I was going to ask him these horrible questions. I mean, maybe I should be flattered that people think I'm, uh, what's that, uh, F. Lee Bailey, and, uh, or that I'm on 60 Minutes, and I'm Dan Rather, and I'm going to let them have it. I, I should be grateful that they think that much. You think too much of me, kid. I miss my chance. I mean, I don't know what the story is, but it's hilarious every time. So, uh, listen, hey, this week, Billy Joel, um, what do we got? Oh, Scandinavian Skies Tuesday, blah. But scenes from an Italian restaurant, finally. Hey, oh, hey, oh. We get a table in the back in our own. No, oh my God, that's not how it goes. <laughs> We'll get a table near the street. <laughs> That's what it is. I am the worst person. But Alan and I are going to pick apart. We're going to be much more clarified and focused when it comes to this song. Billy Joel's masterpiece, Scenes from Italian Restaurant. That's coming up on Billy Joel A to Z. So you won't want to miss that. You won't want to miss the Tuesday show. I love you guys so much. Thank you for being my friends. Thank you for listening. Thank you for, uh, you know, and not, not everything is over yet, but you know what? Thank you for keeping my energy up and making me feel good. When I record this podcast, know there are such nice people out there listening to this show that I've become friends with during a really bad time in my life. I will never forget that shit. So thank you so much. And it's not like this is the last podcast. Maybe it is. I am going to be 60 soon. Uh-oh. But no, I'll see you next week on the podcast, and we'll talk like this again. Okay? So have a great week, everybody, and I'll see you next week on Just Cow in the City. Good night.